Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. HDM. Let's uh straight into malice here. Yeah, episode episode six of seven or episode two point five. Here's the, here's the synopsis. I'll remind you. Lyra and Will find allies who can help them in their search for Will's father. Magisterium learns something shocking, and Mrs. Coulter meets a formidable foe. She done killed him. <laughs> she. Well, he's obviously not the formidable foe. No. <laughs> no, of course he wasn't. She done killed him. I liked him. I like the the more that it went on this season, he really he really developed into the kind of the character, the oily character that you that you needed. I actually I actually agree with that. I'm I'm disappointed to see to see him go. Boreal, that is. Yeah. You know, one thing that this synopsis doesn't say anything about is uh is John Perry and Lee Scoresby, or Japari, I guess, as he is currently. It didn't, yeah, I guess it didn't really, we got Andrew Scott back. We did. I needed that. <laughs> this is, I mean, is this, is this last episode just going to be insane? They got to do a lot. I really need, I need to read the books again after this, this season, just to see, just to see what it is, what the timing is. Cause I'm, I'm totally forgetting. I have a lot, I have a lot of confusion right now and i i feel like i definitely can't go into season three without remembering what happens in the amber spyglass <laughs> i yeah i know so this is i this is sort of like reminding yourself before the uh return of the king like what all happens it's like oh yeah oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah but return of the return of the king you know how it's going to end i would actually argue that you don't you have no idea how it's going to end from right? here no yeah. you don't even know like the, the the witches hint at there's this bigger battle happening, you know. And you don't. Yes. You don't even understand what it's going to be. Yes. Because book three. Exactly. It's like the reverse of a funnel, you know. The way this story goes, it's like you start at this like kind of like pinpoint. Okay, we're in this weird world. It's cool. It's fine. Whatever. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the, you're like, oh, they're different worlds. I guess. <laughs> you know, and you see this at the beginning. You don't know if it's real or anything like that, whether there really is another world. And then, you know, book two starts. It's like, oh, we exist. Okay, this is weird. And all of a sudden, it just goes from there, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger till all of a sudden you're killing God. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, and it's kind of crazy because you don't even, you don't even see the you don't even see the contours of that like starting to take shape yet. No, there's a whole lot to happen. Um, there's a whole lot that that's left to happen. I am. That was the first time that we really see an angel, right? Yep. First time that we see a specter afraid of um, something. Just don't be a human. <laughs> Said very well. 
Um, sound recommendations from mrs coulter i'm looking forward to it i'm i'm a little the last episode that is but i'm a little worried that it is going to be anticlimactic uh absolutely we are on a just very bad streak here in the epl we are we can't pick them i think part of it i think part of it has to do and i so i put a qualifier on this holiday epl because i'm i think that in the future future years we should remember that holiday EPL appears to be a different beast. Yeah. Um, draw, 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 draw. Oof. It's like draws and like one nothings. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Kind of, kind of tired of this. Very tired of this. Um, okay. Well, we didn't do that well last week. Who do we, so we said Southampton over Fulham, zero, zero draw. We said Chelsea over Arsenal, I don't know where that came from. The Arsenal beat Chelsea. I know. I okay. I, th- I thought you were saying you didn't know where our pick came from, and I was like, that was a good pick. <laughs> I, that was a very solid pick, and I don't know what Arsenal just saw blue, and they were like, no, this is time. This is time to actually show up. Oh, so we have games today. Oh yeah. No, th- this is what I'm. This is what I'm saying is that the holiday time is is nuts. There's games every day now. Crystal Palace over Sheffield looks good. That's a good one. I like that. I like Tottenham over Fulham. I'm sorry. Fine. Let's give it a try. And then you want to pick? You want to pick a draw? Go for a draw. What is going to be a draw? Is it going to be Burnley Sheffield? <clears throat> is it going to be Brighton Wolves? I mean, it's, it's so hard to forecast draws. You know that fifty percent of these are going to be draws. I just don't know which ones. I know. You think Man U Wolves is going to be a draw, don't you? Yeah. Well, then we should do that one. So, uh, once again, relatively rarely in our experience, I did something, at least started to do something that I said I would do last week. All right. I'm in. Yeah. It's not, it's not that common. Well, usually uh, so we, talk- uh, we talk about it, and then you, you start, and then you do something else. That's true. That's true. This time, I got around that by not getting very far. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't have time to get into another crazy project. So, all right, where are we at? We are rebooting our rankings. We want to make predictions again for 2021. Um, there's a couple things that I, there's a couple low-hanging fruit things that I need to do. I need to actually look at how our predictions did in 2020. But I have the start of that, um, the start of that work right now. And I want to talk to you about what we should actually do with that. But in terms of the rankings, I rebooted the hitting rankings this week and ingested the 2020 data. Amazingly, all of that, all of those scripts still worked. So it was just enter the year now, and it just went. I was like, this is beautiful. Right. I know. It's awesome. And I found that we are going to need to think on how we approach 2020. Right. Do we extrapolate out those numbers and then let it be weighted as a normal season? Right, because one of the things that we've done in the past, right, is that we 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 do a linear combination of the previous years. Yeah. So we could we could just feel around and figure out the weights for previous years, <laughs> just sort of empirically until it I don't know quote unquote feels right, or we can work on something different. But actually, no, we should take a step I th- back. Here. I think that we just have to. I think that the simplest method here is to um, extrapolate out the 2020 season to what a regular 162 game season would be 
and then shove that into the regular mechanism. Well, if you remember, okay. But then that waits, so that that then waits an exaggerated version of 2020 pretty heavily, right? So so we are already doing that, actually, because we we do the... I should Okay, let me take a big step back. When we do these rankings, we're doing cluster-based rankings, which means we're asking which players are most similar to each other right? and which basically historical performances do we th- each, is each player most similar to so that we can forecast them into the future. We do that all in rate-spaced, in the rate in rate space. So everything is normalized by plate appearances or by innings pitched. Right. So we already have... We can already throw 2020 in the same bucket as every other year because it's all rate-based. It's just like... Or are you extrapolating out the, the the weights? You're tinkering those off of plate appearances as well? No, I'm not actually. So in the past for building... So what we do is we for each year that a player plays, we assign them a cluster, which is to say here's the rates that this player is most consistent with. And there are 12 of those. And then what I do is that's each year. And then we do a linear combination of the rates between different years. Linear combination of the rates between given years. Okay. Right. To get what we think their rate this year will be. But those, the linear combination of weights have prefactors on them saying we want to weight their performance last year, the highest and the year before that a little less, and the year before that a little less, blah, blah, blah. Because we think that la- we think that the previous year is the best predictor of their performance. And then this year we have a, hey, gotcha, we have a shortened season in which everything was upside down. So the question is, I mean, this is just, this is more of a ph- philosophical question. Do you trust what you saw from players in 2020 more than you trust what you saw from players in 2019? Or how do you weight those two? Which pl- which do you think is a more accurate representation of what a player is going to do going forward? I I think that it is. I think that twenty twenty is going to, in all of its messed upness, be closer to what your the majority of players will look like in twenty twenty one than twenty nineteen. Right, because we're going over this. It's it's a What's the majority of players? It's not a case-by-case basis. So that is correct, actually. Yep. And I I have a quantitative measure of this for you. All right. Okay. Okay. And to be to be fair, this is something that I've never made before. So I guess this is kind of my new thing of the week. Oh boy. <laughs> so as as we just said, what we do is we dis we assign each player to a cluster or you know one of these archetypes that they are most similar to or Uh their season was most similar to we've talked about this at length before i wish i had looked up which podcasts we did a good introduction to this before (laughs) in but maybe i'll think of that for next week so we assign them to a cluster uh and that's that can vary from year to year so each player is assigned to a cluster just based on solely what they did in that year we treat years as largely independent variables. So what I actually did now was check, try and make a measure of how independent those variables are for individual players. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that 
I just, for each player, I asked what bin they were, what cluster they were in in 2018, and what cluster they were in in 2019, and then what cluster they are in in 2020, and marked those against each other. So this, you can think of this as like the covariance between different clusters on a year-by-year -year basis. If players never changed, this would be perfectly, the covariance matrix would be perfectly diagonal, meaning yeah. if, you were in, if you were in bin seven one year, you were always going to be in bin seven the other time. If you're in bin six, you're right. in bin six, and then it's always diagonal. Meaning that when you look at this graphically, <laughs> that it's distributed along one single diagonal band. Yeah. This is a little technical. Oh, I see where you're going to go with this based on the graph that, you've, that you're showing here. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> well, I'm, showing, I'm showing two graphs. Yeah. So, I, graphs. so this is nice because I, I think graphs, because I think they tell a different, I think they tell a relatively clean story. So if you look for 2018 versus 2019, you the diagonal is very clear, actually, clear. Yep. in this. Um, it's interesting. You can sort of see where the covariances fall. One thing that I find is really interesting is that there it's very typical for a player that was in one of the best two bins in 2018, so one of the best two clusters, to regress. Yeah, a lot of regression. There has been a lot of regression. It's just, that happens, yeah. So you can, you can see a really interesting regression. The flip side to this is that when you look at 2019 versus 2020, you still have a diagonal kind of, but you have this weird area where some players actually have had massive progressions. Yeah, this four to ten is, and two to ten is wild. Yeah, but that I mean, but if you think about it, like we have we have stories like that from this year. You know, our over under thing really kind of highlighted that with the like, the Yaz, um, Junior. Or whatever, where it was like he just he had a really great June, and then he was on pace to be a superstar, fell off of that, but still his numbers for the year catapulted him into a different cluster than he should have been in. Yes, that's that's exactly right, and so so we have you see things like that, and so my question is when you look at this and the 2019 to 2020 is less diagonal, meaning there is less consistency between the two seasons. I worry that when we start waiting, when we, if you throw 2020 in, just as, as, you know, as the waiting scheme that we've used in previous years, that we're going to bias ourselves somehow. Perhaps, but I think the, the most interesting piece of this graph is that the, the two that I'm drawn to, two data points in the 2019 to 2020, 2020 value cluster as a function of 2019 value cluster. The spots that I see that stick out to me are 11-11. Yep. So players who were in the best cluster in 2019, a lot of them were in the best cluster in, in, in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Which for fantasy is really important. Yes. And then the That's other point. the other point that I see is eight to eight. So guys that are still fantasy relevant in twenty nineteen were fantasy relevant in twenty twenty as good players. 
And that's the part of the diagonal that I care about the most is that players who are in cluster six are guys that should be on that are on the waiver wire or filling in roster spots. Guys who are seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven are ones that are going to be used on your team. Now what's interesting is you're right, there are gonna be some players in the this four cat who are in in 2019 who are in the cluster four those are i'm like trying to remember like the whichever version of player that was are you more concerned that we over project a group of players that had slightly better than they should have years or are you more concerned about under projecting the players who had who were on a great trajectory who had good years. So you've highlighted here Ronald Acuna. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of not that doesn't matter some of these, what I'm saying. Some of these are not that, that interesting. Yeah. But I think I mean I'm yeah, I'm worried about under projecting guys. Because yeah, the Ronald Acuna one is is good if we if you think back a couple years because twenty eighteen he showed up in cluster seven, but he probably shouldn't have actually been in cluster seven that year. <laughs> Right. You know, it was like, it was apparent he was going to be really good. So you don't want to, you don't want to forecast him as though he's going to be in there. You want to actually forecast him as though he's going to be in cluster 11. Yeah. The thing that I actually, I realized that the weights are probably not going to be that impactful relative to just getting the predictions of the plate appearances correct. (laughs) Yes. That's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's always, it's kind of always that. I mean, this is the thing where we actually, I just need to make, we need to make a better product that can adjust to plate appearances during the year. I mean, in the past, we have only made full year numbers just because, I don't know, maybe we're not expecting, maybe we're expecting too little of our listeners. <laughs> like maybe we need to give people the rates so that they can really think about what to do with them. I mean, we've talked about that before, and then it gets convoluted really fast. I know. I, I know. We're, we 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 batted around the idea of um, updating it through the year, based on updated um, plate appearance projections. Yep. I mean, <laughs> we could do that, but I I don't know that. For the most part, these projections are for drafting. Right, you're not using them mid-season. We we certainly haven't ever used them mid-season yet. We've exclusively used them for drafting so far. That would that would be a big leap. Right? Should we be using them? Oh, right. We talked about should we update these weekly, and I'd highlight players who are changing in the system. We talked about all these things. I know this time last year, and then. All of a sudden, there's a worldwide pandemic, and we weren't able to pod for many, many weeks, uh, just given scheduling, physical well, and, constraints. And there was no reason to do it, because it wasn't even clear that there was going to be baseball. Until and we still haven't really June. dusted off the the entire vehicle. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next week. I'm actually feeling pretty excited slash motivated to, do some, to make some predictions. I forgot, actually, I forgot actually how fun it is to have a whole prediction system in place i it is yeah to to be able to say oh these are all the 
these are assumptions that we've made in the past why we don't have to reinvent the wheel yep i think that about brings us to the review session josh hater so did we ever figure out have we done him before this year i think we did i think we did we did him really early no reason not to do do him again though well i mean the question is did anything change and i'm going to before we even get into the rest of the conversation i'm going to say no i don't think anything changed with josh hater well, yeah, he did not have a good season. Well, he did not have his style good season. He's got 31 strikeouts in 19 innings. He's got a whip under one. Don't An like ERA, that ERA. Three seven nine. Yeah. Don't like that. Don't like that ERA. He walked more guys. He walked a lot more guys. The walking is. I mean, is that small? Small sample. But top top five in saves, so he did what you wanted him to do to in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the ERA the ERA didn't help, but it also didn't hurt you. He's a closer. Well, I think if, if you if you whatever you paid for Josh Hader was probably correct this year. Is my you point. have? But remember, we have to with these closers. Part of what we're trying to do, especially this part of the year, is we're trying to predict the next year. We're trying to take a look. We're trying to take a look at the bin of avocados. We're trying to pick out the one that is perfectly ripe so that we don't pick out the one that looks like it's ripe, cut it open. Oh, shit. It's brown and moldy on the inside. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's just completely hard still. Either way, <laughs> this is what... <laughs> closers, uh, closers are avocados. Yep, that's... That's the analogy that we're going that for. That actually is morning. an excellent analogy. I, what, did, what did we learn about Josh Hader in 2020? I, I would think, I actually think that we didn't learn anything. Because he's what exactly we have to, the that's same. What we have to, you think that he's ex- exactly the same. Okay, so next year he's going to go, he's going to go back to having an ERA under three. He's going to continue having a K per nine that is astronomical. He is... His walk rate is going to go back down. Um, less sure about that. His K percent was ten no. percentage points, uh, eight percentage points lower than it was the previous two years. Is this overwork? Is this um, overwork that is going to be ameliorated by the short season that we had last year? And I his lack think, of playoffs. I think this is slightly different usage that actually will benefit Hayter in the long run. Because if you look at his 2019, right, he appears in 61 games, but he pitches mm-hmm. 75 innings. That's an outlier as far as a closer is concerned. Right, right. That's and usually this year, 60-60. This year, yeah, this year he appeared in 21 games, and he racked up 19 innings pitched. That's closer usage. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like, I am the closer. <laughs> I come in for my save. So I, I've, I wonder, I feel like, okay, I feel like a thing that we might have learned actually is that the Brewers are going to switch to a more traditional closer type model with Hayter. And that's because, uh, is that because Williams was much more of a prototypical? Yeah, if you, if you have more than one good reliever, <laughs> you can afford to put someone into into a real closer role. But they have. They have had a couple. I mean, over the last couple of years, it's been the thing is that they've had a lot of... Um, one of the guys that I almost considered talking about last week was the closer before 
hater who was kind of blocking hater from having the real full-time job and it's but now you have Devin Williams who is as a rookie wasn't going to be demanding to get some save opportunities wasn't going to demand like a lot of things so I don't know falling into place maybe more typically falling into place but maybe that's where that's where things get hurt a little bit Josh Hader isn't going to be used for that like you know four four out four strikeout like stretch where he's going to go through six seven eight nine nine being a pitcher because it's the stupid NL (laughs) back to back to being the stupid NL yeah yeah Oh man, that analysis I would love to see. <laughs> um Yeah, I just I just don't think that I just don't think that too much of 2020 changed how I would value Hater. Okay, if I was to place an over if we were to put an over under on each one of his fantasy relevant um categories. If we were to do Five categories for Josh Hader. Relevant sta- uh, fantasy relevant stats using the 2019, 2019 as the number. What's our what's our fifth category? Or are we doing wins? You are counting wins. I am counting wins. Wow. Um so three wins over under in twenty in twenty twenty. We can so, if we end up getting it, if it ends up being a hundred game season, we'll prorate this. I like that you think it's going to be a 100-game season. Um, I think... I was the first number that I came up with. From 2020, I think... um, I think better. I think think over in... I mean, I think better in in each one of the categories. You think he will do better in 2021? Prorated as necessary. He will have better than the 2019 numbers. Than the 2019 numbers. I'm, I'm saying oh, the 2019 numbers. 2019. No, no, no. Worse in every in every category. Every category. <laughs> the other he's going to do worse than the 2019 numbers. I think he's going to be. I think. I think a reasonable guess would be to average his 2019 and 2020 prorated numbers. Oh God, I can't do that on the fly. But <laughs> okay, so you're going to take. Are you going to take? Would you take the over on 2.62 ERA? Yes. And the under on 3.79 ERA. Yes. yes. It will fall between those. That's a pretty yeah. big range, though. It's a huge range. You gave me a whole a whole run. <laughs> okay, fine. I I mean, I mostly agree. I think he's I think he's going to be good. I don't think that he's going to be a, in the place where we reach for him in TGFBI. Kind of good. Uh oh, sure. Sure. Like like this past year. I think um I mean, he's obviously going to get saves. <laughs> Thirty-seven saves—that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's—I I think he's just going to be regular good, not great. Michael, who do you want to do next week? Let's revisit Liam Hendricks. See if anything's changed. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too. Yeah.